welcome beautiful soul to the Weaving the Wild podcast. In this space, we are reclaiming and remembering the wildish wisdom and knowledge that lies deep within our bones and reconnecting to those parts of ourselves that are both ancient and familiar. We talk about it all, awakening our collective wildness and dropping back into our bodies, honoring our cyclical rhythms, connecting to our roots, embracing our intuitive nature and living embodied within the feminine. I'm Rachel Hodgins and I'm honored to be walking this path beside you. Let's dive in. Hello, gorgeous heart, and welcome to the Weaving the Wild podcast. Today is a very special episode that I've been so, so excited to share with you because right from the moment that this podcast came to me, the idea for it just landed fully formed within my mind and in my belly. I could feel it. And I had a really clear vision of what it was going to be. What I really wanted to create was a space where you can come and have the opportunity to receive whatever it is that you need in that moment, a space for you to explore and piece together and weave your own journey back to your wild self, back to your whole unconditioned feminine core. And so I knew I wanted to hold a space where I could share and explore a little bit more freely than platforms like Instagram and things like that really allow. And I wanted a bit more space. And I wanted to create a space where you can come and listen and find those little threads to gather along your journey, the threads that you can use to weave your own path. Even if it's just one little thing, one idea that sparks something that leads you down a whole new previously unseen track, or maybe it's an entire revelation that hits you and you just, you feel this whole new way of being and seeing things just land and settle within you. That is my deepest wish for this podcast to be a resource that you can use to gather the threads for your journey. But I also held the vision of bringing on the people who can unravel and reveal those threads in ways that I may not. I wanted to bring on the people who I want to learn from, who I want to ask questions and, you know, pick their brains because I'm sure if I want to, then you must as well, right? So these are the people who have contributed to my own journey, who through their work, I've experienced shifts and discovered new paths that have led me deeper into this wild journey back to the feminine. And today... I'm so bloody excited to share the very first of these conversations with you. And I couldn't be more eager to introduce you to the very first guest on the Weaving the Wild podcast. Dr. Sarah Coxon is an archaeologist turned yoga teacher, sacred activist, author and mentor for magical feminine essence beings. She helps people to dig into their own priestess magic to make money and live their dharma, not their conditioning. 
Sarah has had such an impact on my journey. In fact, I'd say she's she's been pivotal, not only in my work and my business, because like that would just be grossly oversimplifying what her message is all about and the way that her work has, has woven deeply into my life. So through being a part of her workshops and her programs, through reading her book and consuming every one of her podcast episodes, I have found my relationship to my feminine, to my power and my sense of sovereignty has grown and really taken root deeply. In today's episode, we talk about the essence of priestess energy and why it's awakening within so many of us today. We talk about regenerative business and why it's businesses and people who will change the world, not governments. We talk about why the conversation around sustainability needs to change. And we also dive into the concept of spiritual materialism and the fact that monetizing your dharma is not an essential factor in your spiritual journey, plus so much more. This conversation was just as juicy as I was expecting it to be with Dr. Sarah, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So without any further ado, let's dive in. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the Weaving the Wild podcast. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for for inviting me. Oh, it is my pleasure. I can't imagine anyone more perfect to begin my whole like all of all people to have as my first guest on weaving the wild it had to be dr sarah coxon it just had to be (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) you are so welcome no but honestly i'm so so excited there is we were kind of talking just before we hit record there is so much to dive into um but let's we might just begin for those who aren't familiar with your work or who haven't like come across your reels and everything on Instagram could you just share a little bit maybe about your journey to kind of ease us into what is the work you do and what brought you to this work yeah absolutely it's quite a twisty turny tale but basically once upon a time I was an archaeologist um the reason why I decided to to go into archaeology and for those of you that don't know what archaeology is you just have to think of Indiana Jones kind of digging for treasure excavating for things um I went down that route because since a little girl I kind of felt that there was something missing I kind of felt like there was some kind of ancient wisdom or something that our modern society was just not quite getting and I felt really disconnected from who I really was my heritage so I decided, okay, well, the only way to kind of reconnect to this ancient wisdom is to go go back and understand the past. But of course, I went down the only route that I knew how to go down at the time, which was the academic route. And through through my experience in academia, I first of all learned about the concept of patriarchy, which is essentially uh, a system of oppression, which we all live in in the modern Western world now, that elevates the masculine over the feminine, and it elevates males over other genders. Um, so I learned about that and I was like, oh, that's not good. Like, but that explains why I've been experiencing this sense of like, you know, um, this sense of imbalance in our society. And I also learned that academia 
was not for me in the sense that it was this and is still this hierarchical kind of archaic institution that actually suppresses the very feminine energy that I wanted to awaken within me. So after a series of events, I, I decided, okay, even though like going down the academic route was I, my parents were so proud and I was doing what I was supposed to do and I was kind of you know you know getting my PhD and doing all of this stuff I decided it really wasn't for me anymore and I was like I, I, I cannot do this anymore at the same time as studying for my PhD I was doing my yoga teacher training which was something that so this is like nearly 10 years ago now this is something that I kind of kept a little bit hidden from my colleagues because I was a bit like oh god they're not gonna take me seriously like they're gonna think I'm really like woo woo and stuff turns out <laughs> I am um so I was doing my yoga teacher training and I I kind of quit academia fumbled around in a job for a year and then was like okay that's not me either I literally cannot be told what to do I just can't I can't have people telling me what to do this is not for me and then bought a one-way ticket to the Philippines and then just started teaching yoga full-time. And it was in that moment that I encountered what it is to be in priestesshood. I suddenly realized that when I was teaching a yoga class, I wasn't kind of like teaching like, oh, do a downward dog and do this. And it was really like something was coming through me. It was like this wisdom was coming through and people would come to at, to me at the end of my classes and be like what was that what was that and I was like I don't really know but I felt so aligned with who I was when I was when I was sharing this kind of knowledge that was coming through and I also learned that turns out you can make a living from it you know I was I had pretty much matched my old salary with teaching just a couple of classes a day and that was the moment when kind of my entrepreneurial journey started and I started to recognize that we can actually be paid for um, for sharing our gifts. And that was the beginning of like really stepping into my priestesshood. And then over the past four or five, five years, yeah, um, people started coming to me and saying, well, do you do coaching? And I was like, um, maybe. And then I just started coaching. And then that was something that came really like really naturally to me and with every kind of new um invitation i stepped into my priestesshood even more and so now what i do is i help women to step into their priestesshood to own their dharma their gifts to know what they're really here for and how they can contribute to the world and also make good money from it because we deserve to be you know taken care of so that's it in a nutshell <laughs> oh my goodness okay first off Ah, so much, so much, like in terms of the twisty, windy journey, because I feel like so many people, and we're going to talk about priestess in a second, but just on that, so many people find it really hard to define um, their journey or like what actually started, you know, quote unquote, an awakening for them. And they sometimes I think we can find it a little bit hard to even legitimize what we're experiencing and what we're um, even trying to achieve as we're, as I said, awakening because there's no sometimes big standout moment. Sometimes there is, but really in the scheme of things, actually tiny little forks in the road and little, little things that when we look in hindsight, everything was important in the journey. And mm -hmm. I love, I love the way you share that in your book as well. Um, 
because there's so much to your story and yet it's it's so simple and relatable I suppose because it's just you living your life and that's what we do we just move through our lives and understanding that there is growth in everything that we're you know moving through is so important I just want to touch on that really quickly but I love I love that and I mean there's so much wisdom coming through you with that is it's almost like there's a red thread when we look back there's a red thread that we can kind of see running through our lives that makes up like who we are and I think as well sometimes we get worried about well what is my purpose and we think it's like this one defining thing that when we understand it then that's going to be it for life and the way I see purpose and the way I see dharma is that it's this unfolding in every moment and so I don't know what my dharma my purpose is going to be in 10 years time it's already shifting but I do know that this kind of experience of living my priestesshood like that feels foundation to it it's just that I might express it in very different ways who knows what's going to happen absolutely unfolding is 100% the word so I first came across you and your work in a workshop I was actually you were a guest um, you held a guest workshop for a container I was in with um, Cassandra Wilder oh Cassie yeah yeah (laughs) and I remember, so I didn't make it live, but I was watching the recording and you talked all about the priestess and you took us on like a guided journey to meet our inner priestess. And I remember like some of the topics that we'd been covering in the container was like, yes, yes, yes. And some I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll take this on. But I saw priestess and it was actually the first time I'd really, like I knew the word, but it was the first time I really came across this concept. And I remember listening to you and like every cell was buzzing. I just, everything about the priestess lit me up. And I remember lying on the bed at like 11 11 o'clock at night and I was doing, um, like going through the guided journey um, that you ran us through and I met my priestess. And I remember, I just remember having tears. I was lying there on my back and tears were just coming out of like the corner of my eyes, just falling back into my hair, just with like sheer, oh, just feeling so held and so um, awakened. Something within me was just so awakened within this experience. And I remember like, it just had such an impact on me. And I remember I, I contacted you like a day or two later to, to tell you that was how I first made contact. Um, but yes, yeah, something that was just this really deep resonance with the, the priestess archetype. She really called to me. And I think the priestess as an energy is something that's just really awakening within so many women at the moment, like at this point in history right now priestess is here and I wonder can you maybe share to the listeners who is priestess what's she all about and how might we we kind of call upon and embody her energy in our lives once she is awakened within us Hmm. yeah well I remember that message you sent me actually I was like <laughs> oh because yeah this work is so important to me So, you know, throughout history, there are these kind of universal archetypes, these kind of blueprints of consciousness, energetic traits that 
actually we have inside of us. So we have all these access to the, all these different ways of being different archetypes inside of us. And one of those is the priestess. And the way that I kind of personify the priestess as a way of being, as an energy, is that she is this no BS catalyst for change. She is a channel to the divine, divine will. She is the vessel through which consciousness is elevating itself. So when we are embodying the priestess, what we're actually doing is we're being agents of change. Now, the priestess can, like priestess energy can be channeled in so many different unique ways. But if you're feeling the call to create, if you're feeling the call to share your message, if you're feeling the call to speak up, if you're feeling the call to be, you know, an advocate for social justice or environmental justice, this is priestess energy coming through you. And she is, I was doing another podcast interview a few days ago and what came through was like, she is actually pivotal for us healing the planet. Like without this priestess energy, without the reclamation of the feminine, because like I said before, the feminine uh, as an energy and as an approach has been very much suppressed. Without that, we don't bring our world into balance. And if we don't bring the world into balance, we won't heal. So there's a reason why women or feminine essence beings are feeling this pull towards living their priestesshood because it is reclamation of the feminine magic that has been suppressed and it is us saying that we want to be the change that we wish to see in the world and it's interesting because from a from an even an environmental perspective like what we do in the next 10 years will basically condition the whole trajectory of humanity. So there's a reason that we're feeling this pull. And, you know, some of us are not, we, we don't necessarily, we don't know it's priestess energy until, you know, someone says, hey, this is your priestess. And then it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, this really, really resonates, which is clearly what happened with you. But basically it's, when we're embodying the energy of the priestess, we're saying, I want my life to have meaning. I want to matter. I want to contribute. I want to, um, live a fulfilled life knowing that I'm living my purpose I think one of the reasons priestess resonated for me was as you said it's this um it's this sovereignty um Mm -hmm. and I think it I I, you know when I think about it right now you know there's been you know we throw terms like queen and things like that around um, and I never, like queen just never sat right for me. I didn't want to be, you know, queen of my business or, you know, <laughs> but the, there's something about the archetype, the energy behind priestess, which felt different again from terms like queen and, you know, all of that sort of stuff, because there is this sense of sovereignty, this sense of it's, it's actually not so much because, you know, to be completely honest, Queens to me still has this um, a hierarchical element to it. So if you're queen of your business, that means there's people yeah. below you still, you know, I don't know. There's a, a part of it just doesn't resonate, uh-huh. but priestess is, is your own. 
um, separate from kind of others, but also in yeah. service of others. The key is service. The key is service. Like goddess, great. Everyone wants to feel like a goddess. Great. Everyone, you know, some people want to feel like a queen. But priestess is being, is that connection to something greater than ourselves. It's understanding that, you know, in a world where we are living in an age of individualism, where we are, you know, pretty much conditioned to believe that the world is dog eat dog and that we have to like, it's all about us and our individual wealth and our individual success. The priestess is counterculture to that. She is saying like, uh, we're all connected and we're actually connected to this greater infinite power. And she's the one who's like living in service of that. And I think there's no more meaningful life than a life that is in service, not slavery, which is like, like many feminine archetypes are about, you know, mm -hmm. kind of allowing yourself to almost be a slave to other people. It's not that there is that sovereignty, but it's recognizing that, my life has as much meaning as, as I can be of service, basically. Yep. Yep. You wrote in your book, I had a little quote here, invoking the priestess is the route to the reclamation of our individual and collective power and balance. And I just think like, oh, just sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? But <laughs> after all that, but like it is, <laughs> yeah. it is. I mean, it's, it's not about individualism, but it's about our own individual self in relation to the collective mm -hmm. and the collective being all other people and you know the yes. infinite and to earth and and everything you know um which kind of brings me to I've I've just been dying to talk to you about regenerative business which I mean so <laughs> I feel like I've been watching you drop deeper and deeper within your work and it's been it's it's just been incredible because I feel like I basically have just been following this parallel line and it's like everything all of these layers that I've been wanting mm -hmm. to shed um you just come along and you just put it into words and it, the way that you've been defining your business and your work has just felt so um it's just rang so true and authentic to me and yeah, just really aligned with how I'm feeling myself. Um, and so I wonder if you might be able to, to talk about this idea of regenerative business. Cause when I heard these words, I felt like my heart just cracked open. I felt like I was just breathing with this whole new set of lungs suddenly and it just felt amazing. And yeah, I wonder if you could talk to us about regenerative business. What is it and and why is it our way forward? Yeah, I I love I love talking about regenerative business because again, I think that it's gonna be the foundation of creating a lot of change. I, I believe that it's it's really not governments that create change, it's it's businesses and, and people that create change. And you know, we're, we're at a tipping point right now in our journey of humanity. So the way that I kind of conceptualize regenerative business is counterculture to toxic capitalist narratives that basically say, you know, we are worth what we produce and that there must be constant economic growth, even 
when we have to sacrifice our health, like individually, or we sacrifice the health of our planet, which is through consumerism and, and overconsumption. So a regenerative business that as a concept is counterculture to that, recognizing that business can be a tool for, for healing if we're doing it in alignment with um, certain values, really. So for example, I define business success as yes, money, Money is a fantastic tool, and I love money for what we can do with it. But also well-being. Well-being is really, really important. Um, fulfillment and also contribution in terms of like our contribution to the planet. So there are kind of three levels of regenerative business that I that I talk about. Um, the first is that our businesses should first of all regenerate us. So if we are like if we're hustling or if we're doing something that really is in alignment with what we're here for, but we're doing it because we're supposed to, that's not regenerative business. That is just buying into, that's like putting ourselves in another box. And a lot, I see a lot of people doing this, like they're like, oh, I've quit my nine to five life. And then they just recreate this BS in their businesses because they put themselves on this hamster wheel and then they're competing with others or they're competing with what they did last year. And, you know, they fall out of love with what they do. So, you know, our businesses have to regenerate ourselves first. This means that we, we absolutely um, deserve financial freedom. You know, that, that is part of the regenerative, uh, like individual regenerative um, business. But it's not, uh, it's not excessive wealth. And that, that's the difference. And then the second kind of layer is also like regenerating our societies. So the work that I do in the world is like, I'm very, very careful and cautious and always like questioning assumptions that I have to make sure that I'm not recreating toxic narratives with my clients because we need to also, you know, look after people and ensure that they're also not going down those, those kind of, toxic roots as well and then the, the third part of regenerative business is recognizing that actually even us having this conversation right now on the internet using electricity using phones that have taken resources from the earth like we have taken something from the earth in order to do this work so how do we give back like how do we give back so a huge part of my business now is giving a percentage of my profits to, um, yeah, to regenerative initiatives that are restoring biodiversity, rebuilding forests in a biodiverse way, um, and looking after indigenous people as well and, and giving them sovereignty over their land. And so, yeah, it's, under, it's more than kind of like just this kind of, oh, I'm reducing my carbon footprint because first of all, that's not sexy. And second of all, like that, that was pretty much devised by the oil companies to kind of make us feel guilty and not take responsibility. But it's like, it's having reverence for our earth. It's having reverence for Mother Gaia and recognizing that everything that we, we use in our businesses, like we're taking. So how do we give back? Um, so that's, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. It's regenerative business. Mm. 
so many things within just that all three points like everything even just in terms of it makes me think of um like what you were just saying in terms of our earth and our what we take and what we give um because to me regenerative business sort of replaces the term like sustainable business and I remember I was reading um do you know Robin Wall Kimmerer she, no. she wrote, um, she's got these two beautiful books or possibly more, but um, she wrote Braiding Sweetgrass and Gathering Moss and they're more, um, yeah. So she writes from a, what's the term? Ecologist um, perspective. So to do with, you know, the, the workings and the ecosystems within the land. Um, but she just writes so beautifully, but she talks about this, the difference between sustainability and reciprocity is the word she uses. Um, And yeah, the idea of sustainable is still this idea of how can we take sustainably, (laughs) essentially, how can we continually, um, how can we take on in a way that we can continue to do so, as opposed to what can we give? It's just a completely different mindset. And I remember when I read that, it was a very similar experience to to everything you're talking about. And when I heard the words, you know, regenerative business, where it just clicked, it's just like, yes, this is what we've been missing. This is what we've just completely brushed over. And somehow it's so flipping obvious (laughs) that we give, we are in Mm -hmm. relation to the rest of this world, you know? Absolutely. One of the things that my permaculture teacher said as well that really stuck with me was, you know, when we talk about sustainability, it's like, do we really want to sustain this? Like, <laughs> we, like, really? Do you want to sustain this? And of course, the answer is no, no, we want to regenerate. We want to give back because, and this is another facet of priestesshood that I'm really, that's really like emerging for me now is this idea that we are custodians, we are stewardesses of the land that we occupy as well. And well, everything that we occupy, but even this, the phone that I am, you know, we're doing this interview on, like that is of the land. Mm. So like, how can I give back? And it's not about being, you know, this is another thing with the sustainability community, I think is, I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off for saying this, but (laughs) there's a lot of virtue signaling. There's a lot of like, oh, look at me, I'm ethically pure. Well, first of all, you cannot be ethically pure in an impure system. So you can just drop that pretense right now. This is not about you looking like you're woke. Like, no, this is about doing what's right and doing it to the best of your ability and knowing that I am doing what I can in my business right now to support regenerative initiatives, to make sure my business is regenerative for me, to support social initiatives. It's not enough. It's Mm. not enough. It's not perfect. And yet, what's the choice? It's, It's like, I have a moral and ethical obligation to do what I can, but I, but we're not supposed to get it right as well. So I'm, I'm really kind of, I get really peed off about like woke culture as well, because it's just about superiority in another way. And it's like, we need to drop that bullshit and just come back to how can I help? Like, how can I help? That's it. Like, how can I help imperfectly, but how can I help? How can I play my part? 
Yes. And I think um, even, you know, pulling us outside of business, even if we're just talking about, about say, you know, our relationship to the, to the earth and the environment, um, like when you talk about a lot of virtue signaling, a lot of the, um, the point of sustainable, pro, uh, you know, um, processes is again to, to, for example, plant a heap of trees. So, but specifically to have the effect of replacing ones that we've, you know, we've taken yeah. down and ones that we want to take down again at some point. But I find there's a lot of, um, humility there's a really humble act in planting a tree just you no one else you know involved not for you know the act of sustainability but just plant a tree and Mm -hmm. just that simple act of love and of devotion to to that's my you know one of the reasons why I have such a um an ever-growing and deepening relationship with my garden, which I'm so thankful to have, but it's this this really humbling relationship to the earth where I can just, I don't need to grow a garden. I don't need to even grow my own vegetables. Um, I can go to a supermarket, shockingly for that. But the (laughs) act of planting a seed and going to see it every day and watching it grow and giving it water and watching the flowers come up and bloom and all of this is such a humbling experience and no one needs to know about it I mean here I am talking about it on a podcast but I would do it regardless I do do it regardless um and I think there's an element of that where we in this culture regardless of you know if we're stepping aside from sustainability conversation here but um yeah, regardless of the fact that we need to be seen to to be doing something to prove what we're doing, if that makes sense, um, I think yeah. that comes into the whole sustainability conversation as well in showing and proving our action steps, essentially how we are, are serving and how we are moving forward and progressing yeah. as opposed to I'm just doing this because it is the right thing I'm just doing this because I as myself as my sovereign priestess being am here to be of service and I'm here to be connected to this earth and this culture and this you know whole collective basically mm, I love that I love that and I think that's yeah <clears throat> I mean it's what came up for me as you were saying that is we do want to do these things for ourselves. And if we're in positions of leadership, I, I try and be transparent about my way of life as possible, but I don't really overshare because quite frankly, like otherwise I'd be on Instagram all the time and that doesn't really sit well with me, but I do feel like I have a responsibility to share certain things just to kind of, the possibility of awakening something in another person. And that's why I talk about regenerative business. And I, I talk about, you know, you're on my website, it's really clear the, the initiatives that the business is, is supporting. And it's not, I was very intentional with myself. It was not from a place of, oh, see, like I'm doing the work. It mm. was like, actually, I don't see enough of that. And I'm, I think like if I saw more of that, maybe more people would do it you know, like, especially people in, in like our industry in the personal development coaching industry. I know that some of you listening are like, what industry is that? But um, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's important to check in with ourselves 
and check in like, well, where is this coming from? It's, it's also, you know, we're getting into kind of muddy waters here, but also like using pronouns and things on your, on your Instagram bio, whatever, you know, I think it's really important that when you do that, it's coming from the right space, not, oh, I don't want to get canceled. I don't want to get called mm. out. And I've heard that with some of my clients actually were very, very open and honest with me. And they were worried about if they didn't do it, they would get canceled. And I said, that is not the wholesome place to come from. That is like, and I get that as well, because there's been so much cancel culture in the past couple of years. And as women, we're deeply, deeply traumatized um, from not fitting in and from being hunted as witches and stuff. So it makes total sense that we want to avoid that because ancestrally, like we still have that trauma inside of us. And there's, there's an opportunity to really, you know, question our intentions and be in integrity with what we say we're about, not just kind of virtue signaling. Yeah, I get a bee in my bonnet about that. <laughs> no, 100%. I want to double back on the first point that you made um, mm. about regenerative business, about it, first off, it, our, our work should be regenerative to ourselves because it really... Um, it really, really resonated because I remember, so I, I quit my job at, well, I don't know, sometime towards the end of last year. Um, and in order to follow my dream, create my business. And when I, I did so, I was so determined to, I was, it felt like when I left my job in retail, I was stepping away from, so many people were basically saying, oh, it's so amazing. You're following your dream and all that sort of stuff. But it actually felt so much more than that. It felt like I was literally stepping away from, like out of capitalism, essentially to me. I just was like, I am not being a part of that anymore. And I knew that when I, in the way that I created my business, I knew I wanted it to be so entirely um, away from the the productivity mindset. And I say that because, um, so my plan was, I was going to, you know, so I quit my job, finished my last day. My plan was I'd have like, you know, maybe two weeks just off. I give myself like some time to just like take a holiday essentially at home. And then I'll like, get to work or start doing my things. It took me three months at least to do anything. And I, I literally remember, I think I struggled with that for about two months. And I was, I almost tried to over-spiritualize it. I was just like, I'm just going to create even more space to receive because I, I couldn't even think of a thing that I wanted to offer to the world. I couldn't, I couldn't, I struggled to create podcast episodes. I couldn't think of a single offering. I had absolutely nothing coming to me. And I was trying to be so determinedly like open and receptive and nothing was coming. And eventually I was just like, okay, nothing's coming. Well, I've quit my job and here I am. But I was like, okay, if nothing's coming, nothing's coming. So how am I going to spend my day? And actually, I didn't really change that much of what I was doing from the day before that, but my mentality around it changed. And I suppose I learned the, the gift of, of true stillness and true surrender. 
And in that, it took me a good month, month and a half, just, just in that space of willingly not looking for anything to um, define my, my day or productivity within the day. And slowly, slowly, the energy kind of, yeah, I suppose regenerated and slowly came back and I started to get little sparks of ideas. And only now when I feel this huge, like recently I've just felt this huge rushing of thoughts and ideas and, you know, the mojo is going, you know, but it's funny because I have certain times and days where I'm trying to, I take on too many things or, you know, I'm trying to do too much. And I just, I'm so thankful for that lesson in the (laughs) anti-hustle, in the not pushing, because I know how how long and how hard I've worked in the last, like within this year to, to let go of that mentality. And I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm not here to step back into it. I'm not here to hustle, Ugh. but I just really appreciated when, <laughs> when you, you said that, because I think so many women, especially we, we awaken, we feel ourselves, you know, just, become enlightened and you're like oh my god I'm here for this whole other purpose I've got to start my own business right now and go 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 and we literally we quit our jobs and and enter into our own work and it's two sides of the same coin we're still this whole culture this whole system sucks us in and doesn't let us go unless we completely sever ties you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you probably just needed to rest. Like that's the thing, like you really needed to rest. And then what happens is we, we kind of, we resist it. We think there's something wrong with us. We call ourselves lazy. Oh my God, maybe nothing's gonna come. Like, what have I done? Like, how am I gonna sustain myself? And that's a systemic failing. If you, a system that doesn't allow its people to rest is fundamentally flawed. But this is, you know, this is, the issue with our modern system at the at the moment and our economic system. And it's kind of interesting as well, because I, I like to, to question most basic assumptions that we have about life. And, you know, and one of the basic assumptions that I've questioned recently is this idea of like economic growth. So we can have like individual economic growth where it's like, oh, well, if I'm not like doing bigger and better every year, then there's something wrong. But it's the same like with the wider economic growth, like this GDP, like it has to be constantly growing, but we don't have the resources. So like if you keep growing by 3%, which is what we're supposed to do for a healthy economy, within 40 years, you have double consumption. You, uh, we live on a finite planet, like there are not the resources. So that's really helped me actually to come back to this like, I don't need to work if I don't feel it. So like at the moment I'm taking like a real, it's not a break. It's not like a full on break, but I'm not launching any programs. I'm just really like super, super chill. I have a couple of flash sales and like the next couple of months I'm like, right, fuck it. I'm just going to really just enjoy summer here. And then there's this little voice inside of me. That's like, you're so lazy. You're like working like some weeks, I think I barely work six hours a week, you know? And it's like, you're so, so lazy. Like, this is ridiculous. You should be doing more. 
And I, I realized like that, first of all, it's rubbish. And second of all, the whole, my whole business model is regenerative. So it means then that I still have money coming in. I still have things coming in um, so that I can actually take this time. Like that's the whole purpose of having a regenerative business model is that like you can do that. And also, and no one ever talks about this in the online business coaching space for sure. But, you know, it's like, I already, for the year, I've already made more than enough in terms of what I actually need. So it's like, I don't know, like, why would I, why would I push myself to make more just to prove to someone external or maybe even to myself that I'm worthy? And it's like, I just mm. decided that I was done with that bullshit. And I also don't like, you know, again, again, we must question the assumptions we have, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there that are talking about how much money they're making and like every year they want to kind of double their revenue. But, you know, for me, the way I see it is like, yeah, okay, but then you'll end up paying a lot more taxes and those taxes go towards things that are actually probably against your values. <laughs> so like if you're living in the US, for example, 50% of federal taxes go towards war. So if you want to double your business, and pay double taxes, actually more, because of course you're paying more with each tax bracket, you're actually funding things that go against probably what you say you want. But nobody fucking talks about this. Like, and, I, and sometimes I'm like, am I missing something? Or am I just like literally the only person in the planet who is thinking like this? So we have to question, in a system that is fundamentally flawed, we have to question the part that we're playing in it on so many different levels. That was another tangent. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting here like my mind is blown. Like I never actually thought about it in that sense of, okay, if we continue growing, what are we contributing to? Yeah. Because, yeah, we're not keeping all of that money. Like, oh my God, mind is blown. And it's so funny because I know like my partner and I, you know, like we talk about like the future and things like that. But, you know, if we won like $10 million in the lottery tomorrow, we don't really actually need it to carry on living our lives. You know, we would, we would be giving the majority of it away. Um, but yeah, like, oh my God, my mind's just blown with that. I'm just going to have to like process that off call, I think. <laughs> This is for book number two. Like at the moment, it's not ready. It's not ready, um, but it's kind of like it's there, ready and waiting. Because I, I feel like um, really so much of our our work now needs to be about redefining prosperity mm. and making sure that when we're talking about prosperity, it is from a um, an understanding of like regenerative living. Mm. Because, yeah, it's, I mean, me and my partner also talk about what if we won the lottery or something. And it's like, we would, we would also give most of it away. We'd pay off our mortgage and then that would be it. Because another, another key part of really living in alignment with who we really are and what we really desire is, you know, for me personally, is about simplicity. And there's actually far more abundance in simplicity. So I have no desire to scale 
my business or to like build an empire or whatever it is that is like the current thing out there, the go-to thing, because that would actually mean, yes, more taxes, but it would also mean that I would have to bring in team members. So I would be creating more complexity in my life and my business, and I would have to be managing certain things. And even if you have more material wealth, like that's more things to look after. That's more things that are going to break. That's more things that might get stolen, you know? And so is that really prosperity? It's not the way I see it. The way I see it is like time, our time and our freedom to be able to do what we want to do during our day. Mm. So some you know I turn away clients sometimes because I'm like nope sorry like this this if you can't make it that day like I'm I only take client calls on Wednesday now and if you can't make it like sorry but my time and my schedule and being able to hang out my dog and grow my veggies and stuff is more important to me yeah and I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I am in so there is an element of privilege of course and I've been very intentional with how I built my business as well. So it's taken years to get to this stage. It was not like this at the beginning. So if anyone's listening and you're thinking, oh my God, I want to build a business or like I'm, I'm at the beginning stages, but like, it's not like this now. Like I see you, but start with the end in mind, like really define what's important to you in terms of your lifestyle choices and what you actually want to contribute to. And then work from there. And yeah, there may be moments when you like, you have to work a little bit harder and a little bit more masculine energy is in there, but that gets to be part of the balance as well. It's just, we don't stay there. Yes. I felt, um, because some people, like I have, you know, friends and um, people I'm really close to who are, you know, beginning or run their own businesses who are so good at working. (laughs) essentially who are who who they thrive on it you know and it's not even in a a toxic way they just are really good at what they do and they're really really driven and I've had times where I've had to I suppose almost stop myself from judging them thinking that they're in you know workaholic mindset but also to stop myself from comparing myself because Uh, you know, uh, something hit me, you know, within the last few months where I realized, oh, I don't want to work that much, (laughs) essentially. And to say that, oh my God, I feel if I were to say that to the majority of people, I'm sure they just like, (laughs) I get some raised eyebrows. Like, of course you don't. Um, But I, I don't, I don't want my day to be about work and doing other things I want Mm -hmm. I'm happy to sprinkle a bit of work in (laughs) and I want my day to be a pleasure like you said walking your dog being in the garden with some work in there and 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 there is a thing that I have really kind of realized recently which is like we kind of separate work into like okay work in terms of the monetary economy But then the household economy, which means like, you know, looking after the dog or tending to the garden or even just cleaning the house or cooking or like being there for friends when they need you or just like, you know, being a a social part of the community that doesn't get counted. And that's really fucked up. Like that's really, really messed up. So I don't work a lot on my business in terms of the in the monetary economy. 
but I am constantly biz being busy around the house, not in a kind of, you know, fisher wife type of way, but like my, my partner works, like he works, you know, euros for time. So he's, he's a massage therapist. So he, the time he puts in is the is the, the money that he gets out. Whereas my business model is not like that. So I spend a lot of time in the house, you know, taking care of things that mm. is not recognized in our society. So it's messed up that this voice inside my head is like, oh, you're being lazy. Well, I'm not lying in bed just eating bonbons. That would be great. Like <laughs> that's on my to-do list now. But it's so it's we have to extend our um we have to widen and understand that yeah, when it comes to the monetary economy, like for some reason that's all we measure in terms of productivity. And, and it's massive, massive BS. So when you're saying, I don't want to work a lot, what you're saying is, I want time for other things that actually need to happen as well, mm. you know, yeah. which is like yeah. being, being in my garden, watering my plants, or like, you know, cooking some delicious food for, my, for myself and my partner or whatever. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying as well, like, that this is just for women and feminine essence beings. This is for all of us. This is not like, mm. oh, because I'm a woman, I'm doing the housework. No, 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 no. We're not there. We're not 1950s. But, but it's really about saying like, yeah, it's because I need time to live my life. You know, I remember having a job eight hours, nine hours a day, and then I had to live my life outside of that. It's ludicrous. Why? Why would we do that? Oh, it's madness. It's madness. <laughs> I want to shift gears a little bit because there's something else I really want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you a little bit about the concept of, you actually kind of almost touched on it when you were talking about some other kind of coaches or people within the coaching industry sharing about milestones, sharing about um, client achievements and things like that. I wanted to touch on the topic of spiritual materialism and the way that I suppose our, our entire conditioning really traps our, our minds into this achievement kind of, yeah, achievement hunting almost, you know, with even, not even just within our work, but within our, our whole spiritual journey as we're kind of moving and weaving our way along our own journey I wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's really obvious to me that spirituality and toxic capitalism have conflated somehow. Like they've really kind of intrinsically kind of been fused together in recent decades. And I think that that kind of started with the secret and, you know, it was all about manifesting you know, riches and stuff. And it's like, oh God, okay. And so that's just kind of trickled, trickled, down into all well not all but many many people that talk about spirituality and manifestation and like you know you your inner world creates your outer world there is this huge fixation on material wealth and we have to question it we have to absolutely question it because it's the way I see it is like I have absolutely no issue I have no issue with someone celebrating the amount of money that they're bringing in in their business. I, but I want to know what you're doing with it. Like, maybe that's none of my business, <laughs> but like, I will celebrate someone who is like, yeah, 
I've, I've created this, but I haven't gone out and bought a yacht. You know, I've gone out and, you know, we're, like I said before, like we're supporting these initiatives and stuff. And I do think people need to be more transparent about where they're, where they're putting their wealth, to be perfectly honest. That's not to say that wealth is bad. Like I believe that if there needs to be more wealth in the hands of conscientious ethical people, but in terms of like manifesting wealth and resources, what's really important that we also focus on is knowing our values. So we know how we can direct those resources. So like money mindset, and learning how to make a lot of money without doing the deep ethical moral work as well to understand how we can because we're actually channels through which that money flows and how we can direct it it's really imbalanced because then we end up spending directing the flow of money towards things that we haven't questioned whether we actually need this whether it's actually going to improve our lives or whether it's just status and external validation so it's, it's a bit of a minefield. And I find that when I share about this, it's a little bit unpopular as well, because it's a lot easier. If my message was you get to make a lot of money and do whatever the fuck you want with it, like you get to be a millionaire, that's way more captivating for most people than, oh, well, actually you definitely get access to wealth, but you also have a responsibility about where you direct it that's a bit like, mm, that's not fun. I'm going to go with the millionaire coach, you know, but, but I kind of was like, well, fuck it. You know, at the end of the day, like I can't in good conscience, knowing what I know about the world and seeing the systemic failings and knowing that the next 10 years, like what really, really matter, I cannot contribute to overconsumption. So I just won't. And, and so my narratives are really important around that. And I think that, what else do I want to say on this? There is nothing outside of you that will make you feel worthier. There is nothing that you can have outside of yourself that will make you feel worthy. Worthiness is a state of being. It's an inner state. It's a feeling. It's an inner knowing. And it doesn't matter how many mansions you have or cars you have or how much money you bring in your business if you don't have that inner sense of like worth it will never be enough and that's what we have to keep coming back to I think yeah and I think something else that's kind of just coming through as well for me then was even for people like I know that there's you know women who are listening who again, who do have their own businesses, but it's also women who who don't, who are just, you know, working Mm-mm. for other people and things like that who are listening to this. But I I think because there is a strong element within um, particularly like you look on Instagram communities to do with anything kind of spiritual, to do with the feminine, to do with um, you know, yeah, manifesting your dream life in any way, whether that's finances or what. Um, it is an element, it's like almost like reclaiming your power. I mean, whether this is the direct message or not, um, it's kind of like reclaiming our power is, oh, I'm, I'm awakened, I'm an enlightened now. So now I need to teach this, I need to make money off this. Mm-hmm. And we need to materialize our own, yeah, like spiritual path, essentially, where, you know, I've had women as well who, who say like, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to get started and stuff, but I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. And it's just like, well, 
why do you need to? <laughs> why do you need uh, to make money from this? This is your awakening. This is your path. Let it be yours, purely yeah. and simply. Well, we just try and monetize everything. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we want to kind of bring it in everything into the monetary economy. And yeah, there are, there are aspects of your dharma that FYI, you're not going to monetize. You know, you, and you don't have to monetize it. And this was the mistake that I was making a few years ago was this like conflating this idea of like monetization and dharma. And it's just not, it's just not true. Like in one of my programs, Dreams, Desires, Dharma, like I specifically created that program to not be about entrepreneurship because I knew that there was a gap, you know, I knew that, and it, it's, it's a foundation for your entrepreneurship if you choose to go down that route, but it is not about entrepreneurship. It's not like, how can you monetize? It's like, no, what is your essence and what are you here for? And how are the different ways in which you can channel that? So I love that you've brought that up, Rachel, because it's really, really important because I think a lot of women as well, when they're like, well, they kind of force themselves to monetize their dharma and then it doesn't it doesn't work for them because not everyone is built to be a business owner and again like I'm not supposed to say that but it's really really <laughs> true like there are yeah. other ways in which you can live your purpose you can live it in your job if you are if you have a great boss and you're able to to you know a current job you're able to kind of bring in more of your gifts into that or you look for another job that now you're clearer on oh this is what I'm about now I'm going to look for for a job that really kind of holds space for that and there's nothing wrong with having a job as well this is another thing like there's nothing wrong with having a job as long as it gives you the life satisfaction and the freedom that you desire and you know I think in different countries as well I feel like in Denmark and places like that like it's a lot easier to work less hours and be a bit more fulfilled in your life anyone listening correct me if I'm wrong but then in America there's a very different different kind of mindset um, around working so it's it's yeah there's so much nuance with all of this and I think if something doesn't resonate with you that you're seeing on the online space or if you're reading in your personal development books or even listening on this podcast like don't take it in like it, it, you don't have to take it on as yours at all yeah yeah 100% I just think if yeah doing like offering this kind of work doesn't like legitimize your own spirituality anymore yeah. essentially yeah. it's yeah it's actually about you doing your own work and if you're here to to share that medicine in this particular way amazing that you've found that but it doesn't mean anything if you're not called to share it essentially <laughs> absolutely I mean one of my biggest passions at the moment is permaculture and so we're going to be setting up a well we are setting up a project here that we're going to call reclaiming Gaia and the idea is we show people what's possible like really low maintenance permaculture gardens with perennials so people you know they're blooming every year and it's really low maintenance but I'm not monetizing that, you know, and I also felt no pressure to bring like gardening into my work, you know, into my work. It's like, no, this, this is part of my dharma. I can feel it. 
because it's about the it's another facet of the reclamation of the feminine but I do not need to monetize this like I really don't need to monetize this and the reason why I'm doing it is because it brings wholeness to myself and that's and you know and it's contributing as well but it's like first and foremost like I'm regenerating myself through learning this um there's no way in hell I would be teaching permaculture design why would I why would I ever do that like no I don't need to monetize it yeah oh I love it I love it Sarah I've got a couple of really quick kind of rapid fire-ish questions as we come to the end I don't want it to end um (laughs) but okay you can you can answer these however you like but first off what is nourishing your soul right now what are the practices I suppose that are bringing you home to your body and to the earth whether they be daily rituals or you know any kind of practice Mm. something that I'm really exploring at the moment is the use of plant medicine and this is something that I'd always been like oh I'm really scared of that I don't really want to like take any mind altering substances they're all just a bunch of druggies um but since the beginning of this year I've been experimenting with wachuma and psilocybin and um yeah very very intentionally but it's really been connecting me to to a greater and wider understanding of of things so yeah they're 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 something that I'm in you know exploring at the moment fascinating I love it if you could recommend one book for every person listening in their journey of weaving the wild so the wild to me is just that you know it's the wild woman it could be priestess but it's that that thing or piece of us that awakens what would you recommend to every woman to read Mm. I would recommend big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert Mm. because it's it speaks to everyone like it doesn't matter where you are in your journey it's it's it speaks to everyone because it helps to yeah, move past the fear and and be the creatrix that you're you're here to be, which is essentially just to have your agency and and create change. So yeah, that book five years ago really changed things for me. Love that book. I think I've read that. I don't know. I've I've read that multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like every time you read it, something something new comes through. You're like, oh, that yeah. I've been waiting to receive that. I'm finally ready. <laughs> Absolutely, I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Um, and the third question is, how are you currently weaving your wild? So again, it's what are you, you might have already kind of touched on that, but what are you exploring or doing or what are you feeling called to follow in your own rewilding journey? Mm, very much taking spaciousness, like taking a lot of space mm. for myself and um yeah like a bit like you with you know your three months where you just needed to be I feel like I'm really in that stage where there's no I I actually have no idea what is what is coming next in terms of like my business and I have no idea really what's coming next in terms of my life and it just yeah I'm just taking this space it's magic it's magic I love it so much it's I'm so fortunate that I'm in this position where I can do that um yeah and I just hope you have created as well for yourself yes and I just hope that it it serves as a a permission slip for all of you listening like if you need space if you need rest if you need time like you you get to take it yep 
Is there anything else you would like to talk about or add to the conversation or anything you you want the listeners to receive before we end our conversation? Mm, That's such a good question. Hmm. I feel that the last piece that I want to leave you guys with is that your path is your own and it's going to be completely unique to you and you can definitely look to other people such as Rachel and myself for inspiration Um, but never feel that you have to compare yourself to other people like your unfolding is like uniquely your own and there's no right way to do life there's no right way to do life there's no right way to do business you get to do it your way and so allow yourself to radically accept your process and to accept that you're always going to be in process and that um yeah there's there's nothing wrong with you like it's all unfolding as it needs to and um yeah your life will never look like someone else's and nor should it mm. and on that note I mean <laughs> this, this is My honestly God. just being <laughs> honestly this is like Oh, I have so much energy in my body right now. I'm going to have to go Mm -hmm. decompress after this, but (laughs) it's just been the juiciest conversation. Thank you so, so much for coming on and just sharing everything that you've shared. Thank you personally for everything that you've shifted within myself. And I know you will as well, like continue to do that. I have also just signed up for the Dreams, Desires, Dharma cause which you just spoke about which I'm so excited to dive into um honestly is there anything you want to share in terms of how people can find you or anything that you I mean you might not have much coming up for people (laughs) in terms of programs what how can people connect with you so you can connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Sarah Coxon. I'm there pretty much every day, not often at weekends. Um, and do feel free to kind of screenshot this episode and tag us on stories or even send me a DM and just kind of slide into my DMs and just really let me know what resonated. Because for me, it's really important that social media is social and we actually have conversations like Rachel and I did. That's how we met. Um, yeah. I also have a podcast called The Way of the Priestess Podcast. So if you really like these topics, and there are loads of, I think there's like 70 episodes there now. I'm taking a little break, but there's loads and loads there for you to um, listen to. And Rachel's also going to be a guest on the podcast very, very soon as well. (laughs) And um, yeah, if if you're interested in going deeper with me, I have a community called Thrive. It's a membership community where we really go deeper with these concepts, um, kind of learning how to harness the, the energetics of Gaia and regenerative living um, and yeah, step into feminine leadership. So um, doors are not currently open, but you can always send me a message and I can, I can sneak you in because it's a really good group. And also you have an incredible book called The Way of the Priestess. Yeah, I which also. <laughs> which um, 100% recommend guys. I'll make sure the link for all of them are in the the show notes, but basically any way that Sarah, any content that Sarah's ever produced is just so, I mean, it's, it's no bullshit. It's just straight down the line, but so it just resonates. I think any woman can read your book, Sarah, and just be like, there's no way you can't have at least one aha moment 
but um, 100% check out the book, but the podcast, Wave the Priestess podcast, so much there. I suppose that's it, the end of the conversation. And I don't want it to be, I don't want it to end, Sarah, but thank you for coming on. It's thank been such you. a good Oh, it's been amazing. And you're so, you're like, you're amazing at holding space. So I've, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. No, thank you. Holy guacamole. I told you, <laughs> I told you this conversation went there. It was such an absolute pleasure talking to Sarah. And I mean, you probably could tell by listening, but we could have gone on for hours If you enjoyed this episode though, be sure to let us know. Screenshot it as you're listening right now and tag us on Instagram. I want to know which mic drop moment hit you the most. What part of this conversation gave you the most feels? I would really, really love to know. So be sure to either message us or you can let us know if you share your screenshot as well. As mentioned, you can find all of Sarah's links in the show notes below. Be sure to head over and send her a message on Instagram to say hi because she really does love it. And until next time, know that I'm sending you so much love. I hope you have a beautiful week and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Weaving the Wild podcast. I'm walking my path here on Jaja Wurrung country and I acknowledge the Jaja Wurrung elders past and present.